0: Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. It's the final episode of season two, and I chatted to psychotherapist and author of the phone addiction workbook, Hilda Burke, about our relationships with our smartphones and screens, especially during lockdown. Hilda shares practical advice for anyone wanting to change their amount of phone use, now and in the future. Yes, it includes turning your phone off before bedtime, plus Zoom fatigue and adapting to her business going completely online during coronavirus lockdown. Freelance Deals, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. Today I'm chatting to Hilda Burke. Hi Hilda, how are you doing?
1: Hi Jenny, I'm very well, thank you.
0: Oh, thank you for agreeing to chat to me. I will confess to everybody for the second time because our initial recording disappeared on my computer, but I'm actually quite Excited and grateful to you for chatting again because we're going to dive quite deep, I think, into technology and all the stuff that's mm-hmm. going on at the moment with the usage of phones and and all the online videos and everything. But yeah, would you like to tell everybody what your freelance is and a bit more about yourself to start off
1: with? Yeah. So I'm primarily a psychotherapist and a couples counselor. I work in private practice in West London, working with individuals and in couples. I also work as a volunteer counselor at my local prison, which is Wormwood Scrubs. Mm-hmm. which is a men's prison. So I'm there um, half a day per week, um, working with inmates. Um, I'm also a writer. I've written, um, I've written a book on phone addiction mm. and also written um, freelance, um, freelance articles for the Sunday Times and the Guardian, Psychologies Magazine and a couple of others so yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a mixed yeah. mix of a portfolio I guess yeah. like, the fancy word for it these days yeah and we've we've chatted a lot over, over the years I think
0: because I've obviously if I need some advice for an article you're a great yeah. person to chat to which is another oh. reason why I wanted to talk to you for the podcast because I know you have lots of very wise things to, to share well, thank, thank
1: you Jenny hopefully
0: I live up to that <laughs> yes yes you better <laughs> no um sure. you mentioned the phone addiction workbook Tell tell us a bit about that because that's sort of a bit of a jumping-off point for our chat today, yeah. isn't it? But what's that book all about? Yeah,
1: so that all came about. I, you know, I noticed in my practice that topic. You know, I'm using my phone too much. I can't put it down. I'm, you know, scrolling late at night. It's affecting my sleep. And with couples, it was, you know, it was an issue that was coming up a lot. You know, he's always on his phone. Whenever mm. I'm talking to him, he's not listening. He's making the right sounds, but I can see he's on his phone. He's constantly distracted. So it was coming up a lot in my work, and then an, an American publisher contacted me and they said, would, would you be interested in writing a book in it? And I thought, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was something I'd worked on for probably a year or two at that point in the consulting room. So I thought I have a fair bit of insight into the kind of challenges people have with their phone, the kind of things that lure them in, whether it's dating front of their partner, whether it's keeping in touch with work feeling that they can't lay down the boundaries with their boss. They can't draw up the lines between their personal and, and their work time. So, you know, it was pretty familiar to me at that point. So I thought actually I do have something to say about this issue just based on, it's a workbook. So it's it's very much exercise led and ideas and thoughts around, you know, what what might be luring people to, to spending more time on their phone than is healthy. So yeah. things like procrastination, avoiding their feelings, you know, so it, it's it's a practical book rather than an academic book.
0: Cool. Well, it's, it's certainly something that I think is on everybody's minds at the moment is the technology. I mean, how, how are you getting on at the moment? How's the day-to-day for you? Are you finding that a lot of clients want to talk right now because they are struggling more or is, is, is are things
1: busy for you at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I'm lucky in that most of my clients are comfortable Um, using video technology so they they have kind of I already I was used with some of my clients because of the kind of work they do on location or traveling a lot for work and you know they would have been familiar with with doing video sessions anyway so it wasn't totally like a new thing for either of us but there are some clients that I would never had a video session with so that you know obviously it takes a little bit of getting used to but I found that my clients seem to find it quite similar mm. or close to what we, we had in the room and that there are differences. But overall, I think from my side, it's it's taken a little bit of getting used to because I think, you know, you, you wrote a piece recently, Jenny, on you know, how video calls are more draining than, than yes. having an hour of chat with a friend in real life versus on a video call, you feel so much more drained after a video call. So certainly in the first week, I was finding, wow, you know, this is really draining compared to seeing my clients. So at the end of the day, I'd notice I've seen five or six clients today, but I'm completely drained what's going on. So I started um, just changing the session time slightly. So I'd normally have 10 to 15 minutes between clients. Mm -hmm. So I changed that to a minimum of 20 to 25 minutes. And I found that that worked really well. That made the difference. I needed longer between the sessions to recharge than if they were in the in the room with me, so you know, just made little little adjustments, and, and that seems to have done the trick so far. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a new normal, and there is an adjustment period, um, certainly that I've experienced. But but now it seems to be kind of bedded in. It's yeah, funny, it, isn't it?
0: Because you see your own face all the time. Like this is something I can't get used to. And I'm sure people listening will relate. It's like I don't don't want to look at my own face all day long.
1: (laughs) It's not good. I mean, I sometimes there's a there's a thing. I usually have another window on my screen. I don't know what it is, but sometimes I just drag that up. And put mm. it off for myself oh yeah i don't know it's probably something that's wrong with my computer that is that little window i'm not really that's sure what it's such it is. a great idea though it never occurred to me to cover my face up. cover it just use a <laughs> poster yeah because it is distracting it, it is really distracting it, it's about the client so to be looking at your own face is just mm,
0: <laughs> not helpful
1: yeah <laughs> no.
0: oh that's brilliant advice because technology in isolation i mean we are now permanently on our phones, and I think a lot of people. Tell me what you think about this, but a lot of people are talking to friends and family more than they normally would, right? And doing it not in person—it's a complete emotional shift, isn't it? And how we're yeah talking to loved ones. I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how, let, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, do you think that that's true? That there is a bit of a—it's like a, a sideways push, almost, like to get used to it. You're a bit like oh, caught off guard by how we're now having to operate on technology. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I'm I'm also noticing how quickly people are adapting and, you know, getting used to and making do with and making the most of what they have. Mm. So I guess that surprises me really in the adaptability of people. Older people like my parents, um, they, they don't do video calling. We're not really a video calling kind of family, but mm-hmm. you know they certainly do WhatsApp calls, and they're, they're certainly a lot more in touch via text and phone. Yeah. Um, obviously because the seeing in person isn't isn't a possibility. So I mean, I'm struck by how people are kind of making do, getting by, and actually more than that, I think. You know, some people will say I'm speaking more, even if you include the time that they would have maybe spent face to face, even that included as they're even spending more time together. And they use that together in a very loose sense, but mm. they're having more communication than they did, which is something I wouldn't have predicted going into this, that that some oh. people might come out of is closer the lack of kind of physical proximity and and physical intimacy that can take place during this period that actually you know it, it may bring people ultimately closer together because as well you know another thing that might happen will the time spent together because it's like so when it does happen will it be more cherished and will people then prioritize that more because they know what it's like to not have it so I think it'll be interesting to see how we come out of it how it how it impacts relationships in the longer term whether it makes us more appreciative whether it makes us more aware of of that we can't just take things for granted we can't take people's presence for granted that it can be taken away from us obviously by death ultimately but it can be taken away by a virus that that Mm. forces us to stay away from each other so I've been really interested in seeing the kind of longitudinal research on this period and how it impacts how we relate after.
0: Yeah, because I guess we're going to be grateful for the tiny little moments. Like everyone keeps talking about wanting to hug somebody. Yes. It's that basic thing yeah. that people sort of say, well, you know, the analogy with, with Blitz spirit and then somebody else I, I was reading about said yeah but it's different because in the war people still went out they still went yeah. to of course there was the most awful threat of course there was but at the same time people could go out yeah they could sit in a cafe or they could see their right. parent
1: yeah. yeah
0: there was a physical contact that we that we're not having at the moment there's that kind of and our phones i guess are the closest we're going to get to a hug right now for for some people isn't it that's yeah, kind of yeah. actually a lifeline i guess right now. yeah no,
1: no it is particularly for people who um who live alone I think it is particularly um
0: a lifeline
1: as you say something that obviously you know had it happened more than 10 years ago it would have yeah. been a completely different scenario
0: oh my god can you imagine like not being able to have the technology we have in this situation oh what do you what do you think it would be like Wouldn't we just be on the landline I suppose wouldn't we we'd just all be talking I don't know I guess home yeah home.
1: yeah <laughs> I guess, yeah, I mean, we did have mobiles 10 years ago, but we didn't have the video aspect. Um, So, yeah, it is hard to imagine. You know, it is like, you know, that there's there's a lot of stuff on the internet and being circulated about, you know, was it um, Newton, just some of his major breakthroughs during um, an epidemic when people were forced to be at home, and a couple of other people, you know, wrote there sort of opus during that period. So, you know, you, you could say that there is an argument that not having the the kind of root out, having those external kind of contacts, would we all be kind of actually required to dig deeper and to kind of find our creative outlets and, and to, to really discover things about ourselves that we may be don't have time and space to do even now Mm. because we we do have all these ways to keep in touch. It's an interesting question for me because I think it is wonderful, of course, to to be able to have these means to connect so that we don't feel isolated, that we don't Mm. feel alone. But I guess the other side to it is that we're not really having this time to really reflect and to really go deeper within ourselves. And and to maybe yeah do some of that personal work that I guess in psychotherapy that you do people are on kind of on a kind of more widespread level that they don't have that introspective time and that that time to really tap into those things that they'd love to be doing if only they didn't have the external distractions because we still do have the external distractions mm. to an extent technological tools can be great but but ultimately I guess that they can sort of cannibalize. A time that could be really, really personally fruitful. Some people strike a really good balance doing creative work. They're doing crafting. They're doing cooking. Yeah, everyone's doing, baking banana bread. You know, yeah, <laughs> banana bread, and they're managing to you know keep in touch. So I guess it's it's that balance. But we could just spend all our time connected and online and yeah. watching Netflix and and on a house party, and it's kind of like defending against a kind of a natural loneliness or a natural sadness, which is kind of appropriate at a time like this.
0: Now you're saying that I kind of think, oh gosh, I hadn't thought of it like this because we're relying on the technology so much. It seems like a lifeline, but at the same time, God, if we're addicted to our phones a lot of the time in the real world, we're even more, it's almost like someone's put one of the biggest modern drugs in inverted commas in a closed environment. And we're like, I have to zoom and I have to FaceTime and actually, yes. It's almost like saying to yourself well, do you have to actually it's funny yeah, because yeah. i started calling my mum on the landline again yeah because i think we kind of missed phone calls <laughs> right yes it's, it's funny it's that kind of yeah like we wanted just how we normally connect we don't normally connect on video and yeah it, this just the, the
1: simplicity the parents back
0: yeah <laughs> old-fashioned phone call not everyone has a landline I guess anymore but lots of people have that's true
1: that's true the older generation usually do but yeah Yeah.
0: what kind of things could people perhaps do if they feel like this is really resonating and they're thinking hold on actually yeah do you know what I'm on my phone a lot I'm doing too much I'd I'd quite like to step back would you have any advice for people who might be in that position who might want to try and make a bit of a shift While they're still in Um, isolation or beyond, really. I mean,
1: I think curfews are really good. I find that really useful. So to have at least an hour after Mm -hmm. you wake up um, until you turn your phone on, that sort of can help you stop getting bombarded and overwhelmed by news and anxiety. There's so many headlines that are disturbing these days. There's very little that isn't. So to to have that kind of period in the morning, so whether it's to meditate, whether it's just to have a long shower, whether it's just to have a good cup of coffee, you know, it doesn't have to be all sort of virtuous, but I would say meditation is great. But if that's mm. just something that that you like to do, that you find nurturing to allow yourself time and space or maybe even to read your book for half an hour you wake up, but just to do something that isn't looking at your phone. Once we let that in, it's really hard to kind of reel it back. Once we've kind of let in the, the anxiety and the doom and the gloom and the bad news, it's very hard to backpedal from that. So yeah. to kind of start it, have that first hour to kind of put ourselves in a good place and then, okay, of course, there's going to be things that we hear about during the day, messages that we get or you know news that that will have an impact but I think it really bodes well if if we allow ourselves that hour at least an hour to just to kind of get ourselves in a good footing and I would say similarly at the end of the day a lot of my clients struggle with sleep at the moment but you know they're using their devices in their beds right into the last minute, so their mind isn't isn't having that time to sort of gradually relax and to shut down. So again, I would say at least an hour, absolute minimum before bed to mm-hmm. kind of shut off your device, and as well during during the day. I think we spoke about last time. The sort of first thing I did when I was trying to um, reduce my phone usage was to kind of just you know cordon off times during the day where my phone would be off. So one was yeah you know taking my dog for a walk for an hour Mm -hmm. and that was you know so just to have little breathing spaces you know why not when you go out to exercise you know leave your phone at home I think it's really it's really liberating when you do that and it feels like the break you've had is longer so I would just start by beginning of the day and end of the day and then adding in periods during the day or even if it's maybe you are you're watching something on on tv okay if you like that series or show so much then you know enjoy it mm. switch your phone off leave it in another room and allow yourself to enjoy it so it's just like the monotasking or at least motto screening if you're going to be watching something yeah. then at least make it sort of because i guess
0: if there's someone who might then say well i've got to you know what what if my mum or my partner who i'm not isolating with what if they then think i've disappeared you could always just send them a message couldn't you and just say right I'm just going to put my phone to one side for an hour don't worry if you well, think I've not been online you could always let them know couldn't you rather than yeah explain, I mean oh, what if they I don't think, what do they
1: think I've disappeared you know well I mean if someone thought you had disappeared within an hour of not getting back to them I guess that you have to ask yourself wow, am I available all the time? What have I set up? What are the expectations I've set up here? And if you have indeed set that expectation up that someone would be calling the police if they hadn't heard from you within an hour or two, then I guess mm-hmm. it's kind of maybe time for a chat with yourself and maybe with your loved ones to say, listen, you know, I'm realising I'm never off my phone. That's going to be changing. So don't expect instantaneous answers anymore and don't be worried if you don't get them but you know bear in mind I'm I'm trying to reduce my phone time if there is something urgent then just call me something that I do is I'll have my phone on but I'll have the data off so if if it's your mom or your grandmother or someone you feel like oh but they need to get hold of me okay well let them know if if they ever need an instantaneous response the best way is to actually call Mm. so that that's another kind of thing because most of the stuff we're addicted to isn't the phone calls or the sms's it's the data link stuff Hmm. so just to even or even to say you know you can text me or whatever i'm not going to be available on instant message or you know social media do you think
0: we're scared of of, of like inverted commas real phone calls like do you think people have sort of lost the ability sometimes i I find in business that that people don't want to call like we often do a phone call don't we yeah yeah it, comment where's lots of people ask for questions on email and
1: absolutely think- they do oh, they? Yeah, yeah most people do i think it's more controllable because mm. a phone call it's like well you might call me anytime i am be doing something if you email me then i can look at it in my own time i can mm. respond to it in my own time so i think there is an element of control and i think it's being kind of caught in the moment or on the spot and not knowing what to say i don't know i think it's a little bit of social anxiety can sometimes sometimes it's not it's like the person is super busy and they're just like i just need to get the comment or whatever and, and yeah. copy and paste it into my article speaking specifically about of journalists. so i think it can be a time pressure I think when it's kind of personal, I think often it can stem from kind of almost a social phobia, being on the spot, not knowing what to say or to say the right thing, or particularly when it comes to dating, you know, I think a lot of people are... You know, I was scared of, of phone calls in
0: the early stages. Oh, God, if someone ever says, oh, would you like to do a phone call? I remember I had a Skype call with a guy once, at pre-date. This is quite a few years ago now, but, like, yeah. he said, do you want to Skype before? And I was, like, texting my friends going, he wants to Skype. What, what am I going to do? And one of them was just like, well, maybe just talk to him. Right, <laughs> but this yeah. is weird. like you said, this sudden anxiety of, oh, well, why do they want to do that? It's like,
1: it's
0: Yeah, suspicion. You're right. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true for business as well in terms of like wider beyond the journalism thing that I guess focusing on self-employed people, everyone's so used to communicating on email and everything that a phone call, you might think you're interrupting a client if you ring them.
1: Yeah, again, yeah, just being catching someone unprepared or it's interesting. I think a lot of people now, if they do call, if there is a phone call, it's scheduled. Mm. So it's not like, I don't know people don't really call people on, on enhanced anymore no cold calling yeah phone calls tend to get scheduled I think so I think that's again it's like that so I won't be on the spot so no one will be on the spot we know what we're going into we can be prepared so I think before a phone call is just like it's it's not such a big deal you know up until maybe 15 10 15 years ago Since we became dependent on our smartphones. The actual phone calling function is one of the last things people do on
0: their phone. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a smartphone at all. It's a smart something else. Is there a good, I mean, we sort of chatted a little bit about it there, but there is a good side to the technology, isn't there? I guess if if you can find the right balance, then it is great for self-employed people. We chatted where you're on a dog walk and I've done yeah. for some comments, and it's like I'm going to walk with you and, and your lovely dog. It's like, oh great, I've got <laughs> what I need. You've you've got the dog, sort of thing. Is yeah is that a real positive for self-employed people? Absolutely, yeah,
1: absolutely. Because you can, you don't need a fancy office or whatever. You can be contactable. You know where you are. Maybe you know for regional people as well. I don't know. I'm only speculating, but. You know, I think a London number carries a certain cachet. You're based in London. If you're a creative, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're based in maybe a smaller town, people certain people might judge or oh, maybe you're not as good, even subconsciously. Yeah. but um I think like with the mobile phone number obviously you no one knows it doesn't matter it's not it's not an it issue in the Outer Hebrides or yeah. or yeah or Oxford street no one's going to know you're ringing on a mobile so maybe there are benefits
0: that way and do you think it's something at the moment while we're in isolation technology is good in a way because at least we can keep doing business I mean I guess for you you're using a lot of the technology Mm -hmm. to stay in touch with clients but how could people maybe even if they're embracing all of this zoom and everything and thinking Mm -hmm. yes this is great for business how can they also maybe find time for themselves if they're self-employed, like closing the computer and even putting it yeah. away,
1: or I really believe in hiding your tools, putting them away, having mm. that as a sort of ritual is 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 really important. At least for me, making me feel right. I'm not working now, and you know, yeah. for me as well. I, like if I have a lot of video calls with my clients in a particular day, I won't have any personal video calls in that night because mm. it feels. It just feels like the same thing again. I'm looking at the same platform, same. So I'm quite careful about how I schedule my personal video calls. It tend to be at the weekend, Mm -hmm. but I don't see clients. So again, to kind of create that separation, I'm happy to like have an audio call with a friend in the evening, but I won't do more video if I've done like five or six hours of it that day for work. So I think it's just being kind of mindful of how much capacity we have to, mm-hmm. to, to do kind of visual calls and, you know, to respect our own limits on that and just to, to just to kind of heed our own body signals, you know, whether you're, your eyes are getting tired, you're getting sick of talking, to, to kind of respect that and rather than trying to push through and please other people, mm-hmm. just really be mindful of your energy and 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 what you can do because everyone's limit everyone's capacity is is different so some people might be perfectly fine doing six seven hours video call and then spending two or three hours on a house party in the evening and and if that works for them then great maybe they feel more relaxed after having a, a laugh with their friends then that's great but it's not the recipe for everyone i think that it is partly informed by whether you're more of an introvert whether you to, to kind of charge up you need time and time alone or whether you're more of an extrovert so your idea of relaxing is being around other people and buzzing off them and drawing from that It really depends on, on your on your personal makeup
0: but you can say no to like the fifth webinar of the week there's so much going on isn't there online in terms of like you can join webinars and workshops and so many brilliant things but there could be a trap of like well i'm going to do a webinar every day or i'm going to join somebody's instagram live today and then i'm going to join in with a meditation tomorrow you could be online 24 anyway let alone now yeah
1: i think people are um pretty savvy to that i think i'm seeing a lot of people who had those kind of intentions and are now saying you know what (laughs) i'm (laughs) jaded you know so yeah I i think people are sort of there was the uh, that initial flurry of people signing up to things. I, I think it's a defense against loneliness and boredom. Yeah. It was what was triggering a lot of that um, flurry of baking and yoga and fitness and whatever, podcasting, all these things. And I think now people are like, you know what, it is what it is. And even if people weren't fully conscious of, of what they were doing, I think people are realizing that they are okay they don't need to do all these things to protect or ward off uncomfortable feelings
0: if someone's listening to this and they they would like sort of one thing to do today so say they've got up and they thought oh listen to the podcast yes i think i'm using my phone too much obviously you sort of said about like having having some time away from your phone in the morning or the evening but yeah if someone could do one thing today if they feel like they are doing too much on their their phone what perhaps could they try and implement once they've listened to this obviously once they've used their smartphone to listen to the podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what
0: perhaps could they do
1: so whether it's your exercise outdoors whether it's that walk that you take daily or whether it's watching your favorite series your favorite show to switch your phone off for that actually off and in another room and just notice how that feels do you enjoy it more Mm-hmm. Do you do you actually take in more of your favorite show or do you take in more of the natural beauty or of where you're walking? So just just to notice the impact of what happens when when you're not on your device. And mm-hmm. I think that can be that can be really interesting. Noticing more, maybe feeling more relaxed at the end of it. Yeah. And I think building from there, because I think that's something I've noticed with clients who try and cut down their phone use and indeed succeed in cutting down their phone use. Initially it seems like they're gonna deprive themselves, I'm gonna miss out. Is the idea of FOMO? But ultimately, what they discover is, you know what, I feel more relaxed,
0: yeah. I feel
1: less anxious. So it kind of starts from a feeling of, oh, it'll be good for me. I'm probably not going to be like like it, but it'll be good for me. And it all quite quickly it becomes, you know what? It's it's actually really liberating, and I feel better. So it rather than them missing out, it's like, oh the joy missing out yeah the mode, <laughs> yeah it's um it's actually liberating so yeah I would, I would start with that and i think noticing maybe how much you enjoy those those periods of switch off more and um, might might lead you to to increase those times so starting with an hour you might go well you know what that wasn't too bad i could I could do the walk and then come home and whatever, read my book or do the, whatever you're going to do. Just just stretch it out a little bit. Brilliant. Oh, that's awesome.
0: I might try it. Actually, yeah. I'm, it makes me feel a bit shaky. I'm like, what, turning it off? What if the world explodes when I'm not looking? And it's like, well, hey, you'll be in the world, so you'll probably be there.
1: Yeah.
0: Hilda, <laughs> thank you so much. You're very um, welcome. Would you like to tell people how they can find out more about you? I know you wrote an article recently for the Observer about dogs and a a rehab program in in a US prison. And I'd love if you want to share how people might find that because it's a Yeah. um, So
1: it's, yeah, it's, it's on the uh, Guardian site. If you, uh, it's called Pets in Prison. Mm -hmm. So if you Google that, you'll get the article. And that was, yeah, that was a really fun project seeing how inmates in a Californian jail are training rescue dogs, many of whom are due to be, euthanized because they're deemed sort of not really adoptable for various reasons. Mm. And they, they, they train these dogs in about 14 weeks and that basically all the dogs that come through the program get adopted really quickly because their, their behavior is really good. They can walk on lead, they're house trained, they really turn their lives around these dogs. And and then, (laughs) yeah. And then the men have, you know, learned dog training skills. So they get Mm. certification, which, when when they then get to leave the prison they've got like a practical skill um the pet the pet care market in, in the US is massive mm-hmm. and mass, the 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 market for dog walkers and dog trainers is huge as it is here it's quite big yeah. here too so it's it's you know it's giving them practical skills um, for when they leave prison which is obviously um, real issue that people don't have a trade or a skill and yeah. that they can fall back into crime so so yeah that's that uh, that's something i i look forward to maybe bringing here into time so um, be amazing yeah brilliant mm. so I'll, I'll put a link to that article on the
0: the that i write for the podcast as well so people can can find that I, if they'd like to read that and I how can, can they find you it. if you're they'd like to
1: um, yeah kind of if they work with company, in any way he'll all one word dot uk.
0: Brilliant. So Hilda Um And on social media?
1: At HBtherapist, all oh. one word. And Instagram is Hilda underscore Burke underscore Psychotherapist. Fantastic.
0: Well, thank you for joining me. I wish you well. And yeah, I hope to see you soon. <laughs> or chat thank again you, to you soon in real life. <laughs> yeah,
1: that'd be great.
0: Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take a moment to rate and review it. I would be super grateful. If you'd like to find out more about Freelance Feels, it's at freelance underscore feels on Twitter and Instagram, freelancefeels.com online, and there's now a Freelance Feels newsletter at freelancefeels.substack.com. See you again soon.